and welcome to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're four season ticket holders at Ashton Gate who love the club, the game and all things Bears. In this week's show, we discuss the Boxing Day win against Harlequins at the Stoop. Once again, it was a second half step up in performance that sealed the 27-19 win and the bonus point. We'll also look forward to the New Year's Day visit of Newcastle Falcons to the gate. We get the intel on the opposition with our friends from the Folk on Falcons podcast. All this and more in this week's show. I'm Tony and this week I'm joined online by Lee, Miles and Pete for a cheeky beer and some rugby banter. Well, gentlemen, lovely to speak to you. I haven't spoken to you since Christmas. Uh, Lee, did uh, how, how was Christmas with you? I saw you had a nice bit of Argentinian beef for uh, your Christmas dinner. I did, Tony. It was absolutely gorgeous as well. So I uh, washed down with a nice uh, Argentinian Malbec. That was perfect for Christmas Day. And I'm still eating the beef now. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. And Miles, how, how was things at the manor for, for the festive season? Did you did you give the staff a day off at all on Christmas Day? Uh, well, I gave the staff a day off, but I didn't give my uh, poor mother a day off, who kindly cooked for me while I worked in the Worked in emergency theatres in the morning, so it was nice to rock up and have lunch already done. I, I must say, I'm quite surprised Lee's not talking to us in, in fluent Spanish now, lad, since he's converted to all this Argentinian food. But maybe we'll get <laughs> a snippet of that later. But yeah, good Christmas and good to be off now, actually. Good stuff. And Pete, how was the festive season for you? Yeah, good one, Tony. Pretty standard 7am start. Girls happy. Uh, a few presents, you know, nice, 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 quiet tier two stroke three Christmas. Excellent. Well, let, let's crack on then because uh, um, we are recording this on Sunday, the 27th of December. And yesterday we all watched the game against Harlequins at the Stoop. Uh, Bristol uh, running out 27 points to 19 winners. Lee, if I can come to you first, um, what, what were you thinking in that first half um, as we gradually slipped three points at a time behind Quinns? Yeah, it was um, it was a strange one actually because it was a little bit like last week, wasn't it? Um, we basically had to write off the the most of the first half, um, and it was a bit disappointing that we didn't get the the head to head with Marler and Sinclair, wasn't it? But we kind of alluded to that last week that we thought Sinks possibly might not start, but um, it was definitely a first half to um, to forget, I think, again. Absolutely. As you say, it, we seem to be in a pattern uh, of these slow starts and uh, um, uh, not, not really firing all cylinders. Miles, you, your thoughts on that uh, that first half? Were you concerned that uh, maybe it wasn't going to be the Bears day or, or did you still feel quite confident that once things started to click, it would be all right? Um, yeah, I have to admit, I was slightly concerned going up to at least sort of 35 minutes. I mean, as we do know, um, their young Marcus Smith at number 10 is is brilliant with his boot. He was sort of trying different kicks. He didn't miss any of his penalties. And I was a bit concerned when they went sort of 9-0 up. that really our discipline was sort of dropping and they were going to sort of run away with it. But luckily, our good leader turned things about with a little talking to, which, which I'm sure we'll, we'll chat about shortly. 
And, and Pete, uh, obviously we went in 9-5 at the break, but uh, certainly a big talking point is when uh, Wilco Lowe, their prop, got held up over the line. I mean, that could have potentially made it 16-0 uh, just before the break. Mm. What, what was your views on that incident? Well, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> It was a difficult one, wasn't it? it? It was hard, and I think we have to we have to go with what the uh, what the refs and the TMO think, and you know they're they're there on the on the pitch. They've got a closer look, so um, yeah. I mean, thankfully for us, it went our way, and uh, as you say, sixteen nil down. Uh, it's not unheard of for us to come back from that, as we know, but that would have been quite a blow, I think, and uh, a little bit of luck. Um, and I was, I, to be honest, I was slightly more concerned about his moustache actually when he came out with the ball. It was, uh, it was a bit. It was. I thought November was over ages ago, but um, maybe that was the thing that got in the way. But yeah, I mean, you know, this is. It's all about little moments sometimes in games, isn't it? And uh, you know, the, the first half did feel a bit like you know we were practicing our lines. Um, typical inconsistencies and all that sort of stuff, but you know a lot of possession. And but yeah, thankfully we we put on the show in the second half, didn't we? Well, I was very relieved when the referee said uh, not a try on field decision. And then I think Barnsley did a great job, didn't he, Wayne Barnes, yeah. of explaining why um, there was no clear evidence to show a grounded. So I think there was a, a little bit of little bit of luck there. Lee, you wanted to uh, you wanted to say something. I was just actually going to say exactly what you've just said. So I think that it was good that we had Barnsley on the TMO just because he 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 is so crystal clear at clarifying um, what was going on. And I think by the letter of the law. I do admit it was unlucky for, for Quinns, but again, by the letter of the law, you couldn't see the grounding. So uh, there was no way they could award a try when the on-field decision mm. was no try. And I think did they? I heard on the commentary, I don't know if it was at half-time, the referee talking to uh, the prop saying, what, well, you just got up so quickly. I, I couldn't, yeah. you know, there was no evidence of you there over the line with the ball mm-hmm. because, you know, you'd already yeah. got up. So uh, a lesson for us all there. If you go down, stay down until <laughs> the points are awarded. <laughs> so uh, let's, let's, let's move. Why, why are you laughing, you, you filthy, filthy-minded individual? We've started um, to do blonde toms already, haven't we? Great. Uh, right. Right, so so let's let's talk about performances then. Um, Pete, let me come to you first. Uh, who, what were the what were the names and the performances that stood out for you uh, from Boxing Day? Well, I think I think we ought to talk about the second half really because uh, that's where we really came together. And I think um, I think I'll mention the two L's: Luatoa and Lloyd. I thought those two. Uh, were were immense in the second half in, in different ways, um, and obviously both of them, you know, took took Pat's get on the coach or get back out there halftime t- team talk to heart, and obviously Big Steve leading from the front, um, and uh, just everywhere. And I mean, you know, he's he's one of those players. He, he he's he's I think I think um, Pat even referred to him as a cementer, didn't he? That. You know he's he's so important, and when he's 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 uh, he's everywhere, but he's also got those skills to unlock the defence. And you know that little chess pass that he did for for Miles and Lee's mate uh, to score his debut try was was 
you know, was fantastic. And then on the other hand, you've got the other end of the kind of height spectrum. You've got young Owen, Owen Lloyd, who I thought in that second half was his go forward was phenomenal. I mean, for a small guy, he was getting he was making yardage in the contact, setting it up and, and really getting us on the on the front foot. So I think those two uh, were, were particularly, um, uh, particularly good in the second half. But there were others as well. And Lee, let me come to you. Any other names that uh, you'd like to mention from uh, from the game? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree, Pete. I think, I mean, the, those two are the outstanding names, but I would also say there was a big shift from the second row. I thought Big Dave and um, Ed Holmes had good games. Um, and are you going to you going to give Miles an opportunity to to see who he thought was was good as well? Or can Shall I just we? mention one more? Go on, you went mention one more, make, go on, make it a bit still, tricky. Go on, well, I was gonna, I was gonna say, I'm gonna, I'm actually lining this up for miles here, but I'm gonna say, I thought Dan Thomas was immense again, just doing all the, all the basics and just being a right little pain in the backside as he usually is. Yeah, and I don't know if you've seen on Instagram, congratulations to Dan Thomas, who proposed uh, to his girlfriend, and uh, she said yes. And uh, a a wonderful uh, engagement picture. She uh, had a a picture of her in the ring with her arm around one of their cows on the farm. So uh, (laughs) did he he bench press her 10 times as well, just to uh, in celebration? I, I... that that wasn't in any of the pictures, so uh, we, we, we're not aware of that. So, so Miles, any any other names stand out for you? I, I mean, apart from Dan Thomas, who clearly got man of the match, um, you know, so a, a much better second half is our little our little mate uh, Randall, who is becoming such a pest to all the opposition, and he sort of rang rings around Danny Kerr, I thought, in the second half, uh, and I think, and we probably all agree, is surely. Eddie Jones has got to be looking at this little chap. His lines are fantastically fast. Little tap and go is brilliant. And you do wonder how Andy Uren is going to play his way back onto the first team sheet week after week. He's just immense and creating, if not scoring, a lot of our tries recently. So top job for Randall for me. The the box kicks were better as well, I thought, this week. Not not quite so long, were they? No, and that, that that has been a slight weakness in his game, but uh, every match he seems to be improving that, the box kicks. I was just going to mention Ed Holmes as well. Again, I, I thought he had a really, a really good game. Um, uh, and of course, Nathan Hughes, that was at his bulldozing best, uh, uh, quite often taking two or three, def- literally taking two or three defenders with him. Um, I, and I, I, I kind of... Although it wasn't a spectacular game, I, I like the potential that I'm seeing with Nualago as well. Um, even right from the very first kickoff, when he'd actually got right up there and was able to knock the ball back, and I, you know, I can't remember the last time we we actually took a, a restart, one of our own restarts. Um, so, uh, but we still haven't really seen him with ball in hand in open space. Um, but I think he, he got like 73 metres yesterday. So uh, not a bad contribution, but absolutely. Luatoa, Thomas and Lloyd for me were were, were exceptional. Uh, Pete, I'm going to come to you um, uh, for, for one 
name that I, I'd like to um, get your thoughts on, and that, that's Callum Sheedy. Maybe we haven't seen him at his sparkling best since uh, he's come back from the international break. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, he, he he didn't have a great kicking game yesterday, and, and that's under, you know that can happen from time to time. It was unfortunate that it was kind of amplified because Marcus Smith did, but I do think that that you've got to look at him as a kind of whole as well, rather than just an individual. And I think we talked about Randall, but I think it's it's as much the kind of Randall Sheedy sort of partnership that I think is growing really well. And you know, Callum, um, you know, he is so important. I think to to the team and to that kind of team ethos and um, and making sure that we work together. That I, I think we've got a we've got a give him some leeway if he doesn't have a spectacular we can't expect him to have a spectacular game every game and I think I, I did read somewhere that you know it was easy to say oh Marcus Smith you know was amazing try at the end and he does his little hop skip and jump but he, he's an erratic sort of player and I you sense that Harlequins didn't quite know what Marcus Smith was going to be doing all the time whereas with Callum Sheedy I think he is so integral to the system that there's more to him than just okay he misses a few kicks and and so on so you know he's he, it's a long season he's played a lot of rugby he's probably in need of a rest to be honest at the moment so um i think we just have to see how that pans out and and as 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 uh, you know as, as as hopefully it will absolutely yeah um Lee, one one for you. Um, I know you were critical uh, a little bit of him when his first few performances for Bristol, but uh, Adi Alokan uh, came on, uh, had to come on quite early, didn't he, in the first half uh, for for Malins. Um, but uh, thought he, he took that bonus point try exceedingly well. Um, your your thoughts on his performance and and that try. Yeah, I mean, we, me and Miles, obviously, you know, we absolated him a little bit since he's joined. Um, but actually, we did also right from the beginning say that we know the lad's got a lot of pace. Um, so that was without doubt. But he took his try really well because he still, when he when he received the ball, he still had a, a fair bit to do. I mean, it was a brilliant offload, like Pete had said, the, the chest pass from Luatua. Um, but he still had a, a, a bit of work to do, didn't he, to ground the ball. And um I, I'm quite happy to eat a bit of humble pie and say that he has impressed me the last couple of games. I'm just looking at the statistics from from the match. We had uh, the Bears had 59% possession, 61% territory. We made 127 tackles to their 171. Um, and I think what's quite pleasing, although we did concede some early penalties, uh, the the penalty count in the end was uh, 13 to Quinns. They gave away to to our eight. So again, I think that's that's starting to uh, tighten up things. Uh, just a little look at the other results from this weekend. Um, of course, Bath versus London Irish and Newcastle versus Leicester, both games cancelled because of uh, COVID-19 infections. Uh, Pete, Exeter 28, Gloucester 20. Gloucester making a little bit of a game of it down at Sandy Park. Your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean... Yes and no. I mean, it's almost inevitable, isn't it, that Exeter will win? And uh, you know, they've 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 done that already this season—a a, slowish start. And I mean, what you know, fair dues to Gloucester. I mean, you, you don't want teams to be running away with it. You don't want it to turn into a, a, a one-horse 
um, show, and, and and in some ways, obviously, it is at the moment. But you know, we want Exeter to to be to be tested as much as possible. And Exeter gave it, uh, sorry, Gloucester, obviously gave it a good shot. But then I looked at the, you know, I had a quick look at the result, and I see Sam Simmons two more tries, and I think, you know, they've just got go to players that just pull it pull it out of the bag for them don't they and uh, um, you know they are they are the, they are the team they are up there on the pinnacle and we, it's the team that we've all got to aspire to to beat at the moment and but it's that, good to see that you know there's chances yeah Pete that that Gloucester team had, I think it was 11 um, products from the academy in it as well and mm. I have to make a, a small mention to the the fly half actually is it Venner um, he scored a couple of tries and he looked really lively so it was a good a good game for him. Uh, and just looking at the other results, uh, tight one today. That was Sale twenty three, Wasps twenty six. So maybe Wasps getting back to uh, some form there. And Miles, come to you for the the final game of the weekend or the final one we're talking about tonight. And that was Northampton twenty nine, Worcester ten. So the Saints have at last broken their losing streak. Um, your thoughts there? Is this a, a sign of a big turnaround or? Or the fact that they were playing a Worcester team that maybe have also struggled this season, you can't read too much into it. No, it's hard to say. That, but that's quite an impressive result. Fair play to Northampton. They, their form has been dreadful, hasn't it? Um, and as we know, having played Worcester, you know, this season, they're they're a dangerous running side and very quick. So I was quite surprised by the sort of heavy margin of their uh, their win at at, um, uh, at home, but. Who knows? Let's just hope they can carry on and win something else because, yeah, I mean, of late, it's been a shame to see that Saints have been so poor and, and, and you know, getting big losses, really. But cross our fingers that they, they pick up their form. Dan, Dan Bigger had a storming game for Saints. I think that was massively important for them. And also their big ball carriers were actually making some metres for a change, weren't they? That made a, a huge difference uh, collectively, I think. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, a big name in English rugby and it will be good to see them uh, a lot more competitive than they have been over the, well, probably the last year, really. Uh, so the table as it stands, Exeter top with 20 points. Um, Bristol at the moment, second on 15, but Newcastle, uh, who have got 12 points, should be allocated four points for the uh, cancelled game. So that will see them go to uh, second on 16. So it does set things up really nicely for uh, uh, New Year's Day. It will be second versus third, uh, and the, the winner guaranteed to uh, to start the, the new year uh, in second place in the table, because below us then you have Sale on 11 points, Quinn's on 10 points, and Bath uh, should be on 10 points with the, uh, the awarded uh, game to them. Uh, let's move on then, because the next game is New Year's Day, 7.40. Kickoff. It's Friday night under the lights at Ashton Gate. Sadly, uh, we're not going to be there. We'll talk about the uh, Tier 2 to Tier 3 ticket uh, situation maybe a little bit later on in the show. Uh, but Newcastle Falcons, great to see them back in the Premiership as well. And uh, as is been in keeping, we've uh, asked our Pete to um, seek out 
um, podcasts from around the Premiership. So uh, this week we're, we're very lucky to be joined by a couple of guys from the Folk on Falcons podcast. So let's hear what they said about uh, Newcastle's form and the, the players to watch. And I should just say that Pete's interview with the podcast boys was recorded about a week ago. Okay, so in our next uh, episode of Pete's Premiership Previews, I am delighted to be joined by Philip and Ian from uh, the Newcastle Falcons Folk on Falcons podcast. Um, really appreciate you giving up your time tonight, guys, to talk to me. Um, so let's start with, uh, with Philip. Um, can you tell us a bit more about your podcast and how it started and all that sort of thing? Yeah, so Ian and I have been friends since childhood. We used to play together. And then a couple of years ago, we ended up housemates in London together. Um, so we'd watch matches on TV or get some away games. And every week we'd have rants about things, speak for hours and end about what problems were, what we thought was going well. Tended to be a lot more problems because the year we got relegated. And then Ian moved back to Newcastle. I'm still in London. And we just thought, well, we'd like to keep chatting about the rugby. We've done it for years. and we were also getting a bit sad because we had the best part of nine months without any rugby at all, obviously, with us, our championship situation. So we thought this season we've got locked down, coronavirus, all the rest of it. Why not give it a whirl and start a podcast? Because we didn't think there was one, and there seems to not be one for Nikos Falcons. So we've started it off and so far so good. Excellent. Well, no, it's very similar to our story, actually, kind of four fans that just... Uh, like talking about rugby and, and and found a means to do it. But um, Ian, I believe you've been a, a Newcastle Falcons fan for a long time. So you tell me a little bit about your uh, your background. Yeah, well, uh, as Philip says, we've known each other for, for the vast majority of our lives. Um, but my first Falcons experience was as a six-year-old going to watch us put a big result on Bedford in what was then the first division. Um, 1997 I believe um, so obviously been watching them for a very long time now through some of the bad a lot of the mediocre and some of the good um, but it's been quite an adventure I mean it's some I don't regret any second of it it's a club I absolutely love it means everything to me um, and I, as things are at the moment things are looking up so come on Falcons so, obviously, you've made a, an excellent start to the Premiership on your return. Um, we're going to be playing you on New Year's Day. It's a big game. Um, hopefully, there'll be fans at Ashton Gate as well. Um, so, Philip, I'm interested to know, what, what has been the reasons for your great start? And is there anything particular you, you know, you've noticed about, about it? Um, so, it's always a strange one when you've not seen your team play for the best part of six, or no, like nine months, it was more like. Um, and... We had a couple of pre-season friendlies against Ealing. We lost the first one and only just won the second one. And at that point, Ian and I were very worried. Um, we weren't quite sure why we lost them. Um, only one of them was supposed to be televised and the, the live stream didn't work. So we hadn't actually seen any of the matches themselves. Um, and we were quite worried. But then we played away at Bath, first match of the season. And the match reports all said, Newcastle Falcons, smash and grab blah, blah, blah. But watching the match, we were the better team for 70 out of the 80 minutes. Um, we've got a coaching setup of Dean Richards at the helm with Mickey Ward and Nick Easter as our forwards coaches and Dave Walls as our backs coach. Between the four of them, they've probably got some of the highest appearance numbers in English rugby. And 
they all seem to do their jobs very well. Our Ford pack, there are no standout names. Um, everyone does their job very well. I'm not sure we've lost a line out all season. We've even won a couple of scrums against the head, not through penalties, just winning scrums against the head. And we are making very few substitutions. Um, our front row have always gone off after the opposition. And in the first match of the season and the second, we only changed our front row. We didn't change any backs. Um, in the backs, um, we've got a lot of experience. Uh, Mickey Young at in, uh, inside half, and then our centres, Toby Flood and Nathan Burrell, between them, those two have got stacks of international experience. And then we've got the youth uh, in the back three. And I think there are some areas where it shows that we're lacking a bit of pace, perhaps, in the centres and a little bit of experience out wide. But on the whole, we've got a well-balanced squad, very well-drilled, and a great coaching setup to back it up. What players particularly should uh, should me and the rest of the Bristol fans be, be looking out for on New Year's Day? Well, actually, it's very much as Philip just said there. Um, it's how well they're playing as a team. And, I mean, I start with the forwards, and the forwards really are all playing as one. They've all been absolutely superb, absolutely exceptional. Um, genuinely believe that possibly, the exception of Exeter, our forwards pack probably has been the best in the league so far. Um, if in terms of individuals, I think a couple, Gary Graham, I think week in, week out, has been absolutely superb. And has really been recapturing the form a couple of years ago when we finished fourth, when he started making a name of himself and started getting noticed by England and Scotland, um, especially at the breakdown. He's superb, um, very, very competent ball carrier. Another one who hasn't actually but want to keep an eye out, but hasn't actually played in the league yet, is Mark Wilson, of course, who's finally started to make a comeback. He played a few minutes against Cardiff, and he played the whole game against Castra. Um, he's starting to get back to his best. was very rusty against Cardiff, but showed what he really is against Castra, where he does what he does, which is quietly gets on with things very, very well. Um, I suppose another forward, a couple of others who are worth mentioning, Sean Robinson is another one where he usually plays Blanco or second row, depending on how the squad is. Um, again, always very, very reliable, never puts a foot wrong. And as Philip has said, in terms of our set piece, line out and scrum, George McGuigan as hooker has been the superb ball carrier as well. And it's got a bit of pace about him for a front row. So those who may have watched Falcons games, for example, um, a couple of times in the league, he's made some really good darting runs, which... Didn't, you wouldn't necessarily expect them to do but again I mentioned before 100% success in the line out so our set piece at the moment is really ticking over it's really strong for us at the moment um, the backs uh, for us it's Burrell who's been a real sort of X factor signing for us he's something we've missed for quite a while actually a player who you know is going to break the game line you know who when he gets the ball something good is going to happen and we've missed that Dearly, actually. So he really adds that important dimension to us. And I think also um, the wingers. So we two young wingers in uh, Radwan and Stevenson, who are both academy products, absolutely lightning quick. Not the biggest in the world, but defensively very good. And if you've got a ball one-on-one, I don't think there's many in the Premiership who are going to be catching them. So a lot of Bristolians may not have heard of them, but definitely keep an eye on them. And another wild card is actually uh, Orlando, the Argentinian international who has arrived on the tie side within the last week, hasn't played for us yet, of course, maybe a bit too early. I don't expect him to play at less in our home game against Leicester, but he might make an appearance against Bristol. So a centre partnership of Beren Orlando is going to cause a lot of sore bodies in the morning. So I think uh, 
they're a few choice names, but I think the point is, is our whole starting 15 has been superb so far. And that's why, actually, there's been so few changes during the games because they've just done so well. And, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, also, from a tactical point of view, um, we've not played the way that a lot of the Premiership clubs have played this season. Um, we know our strengths, and our strengths are forward pack. We'll do a quick tap and go when we're 15 yards out and then have five, ten, however many phases it takes to make half a yard of phase and score just by shoving it over. Um, defensively, um, we are doing a blitz defence and the open side winger is normally lining up for 13 as they catch the ball. So they instantly break up any attacks coming and we quite often make yards in defence through that strategy. Um, one thing to note about that is if ball goes wide early, we are vulnerable. Um, I know a couple of years ago I went to Ashton Gate and you spun the ball wide early on. And if you play like that again, um, we may be vulnerable. Also, our back three between them, we don't have huge amounts of height. And with going up quickly, there's been a few times this season where teams have put a little chip over the top and there's been a we're caught out to get wasp, against wasps with um, a catch and a quick offload. And we've just got to watch out for that. But we know our strengths and we play to them. And like Ian said, our wingers, um, especially Adam Radwan, Chris Lightning. So that's, that's really interesting stuff. Best. Really appreciate all of that, guys. Um, so I'm going to put you on the spot now. Um, uh, I'm going to ask you how you think the game's going to pan out. Um, what do you think the result's going to be? How do you think it might go? And, and if you're really confident or uh, brave, do you fancy giving me a score prediction? I'll come to you first, Ian. So um, I think both four packs are very strong. Both have performed very well this season. So I think that's going to be a key area. And I think defence is going to be very much beyond top. I mean, both defence are very well organised. Uh, the worry for us is that it may come down to your sort of X-factor players. So you may have uh, Rad Radra starting, perhaps, against us, quaking in our boots. Um, and quite frankly, unfortunately, we don't have that type of X-factor player who can sort of pull rabbits out of the hat or, or whatever. And I think the way for us is that could be the difference. I mean, we could hammer away and even play pretty well, but it could just take a moment of brilliance, which Bristol are more than capable of, to really just kind of unlock what has been a pretty tight defence for us this season. And that could be the difference. So I expect it to be pretty close, but I do think Bristol will, will shade it simply because they do have the players who can kind of pull rabbits out of the hat and do the special things. I appreciate your your honest assessment there. So, Philip, what about you? Um, if we talk less about specific players and more about the game in general, I think the longer the game goes on and we're still in it, the more you need to be worried. Um, I feel that stamina-wise, the squad, after their time off over the summer and autumn, for one better term, um, their, their fitness is up there. Um, 15 or 15, they'll be fitter than you. Um, so, if we're staying in the game, I think the last 20 minutes we could end up turning the screw a bit. Um, and then we don't quite know what squads will be like because there could always be injuries in, on Boxing Day. But um, I think man on man, it could be pretty tight, but there tends to be one or two players that have a shocker each game. And if those players that have a shocker have a real shocker and concede points because of their mistakes, that could be what swings it either way. Um, I, I do think it's going to be a very close game. 
Well, Pete, another another really good interview with the boys there. Um, I thought it was particularly interesting. Um, you know, we, we've we've talked about the game so far, and Bristol have had strong second halves and have looked a really fit team going into the last twenty minutes. But the guys there were talking about, you know, they think Newcastle is going to be one of their benefits that not having played competitive rugby for six seven months, um, that they they feel. Stand- and the um, you know is, is going to be something that plays to them. How, how do you see that? Do you do you, do you think it's going to go um, their way? Will that be a benefit for them, or the fact that they haven't had a match for two weeks? Do you think what's our favourite phrase? Might mm. they be a bit ring rusty? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I, I think they've uh, they've made a good start, haven't they? And they they were you know I I, I um. I'm not sure. I think the thing that the other thing that they pointed out, those boys, were was the the way that they said they're they're really a team, and there's no you know even though they've added a few sort of bits of sp- sprinkle to and sparkle to their side with Burrell and uh, and uh, and obviously uh, Mark Wilson, who we know is a, a really good player coming back, it's like having a new player because he'd been on loan, hadn't he, and injured, and the couple of Scottish back rowers. You know, they, they are a, a solid team. And I think a bit like we're, you know, we know the Bears are. It's not about individuals. So they did also point out that they, they do have a couple of speedy wingers, but also can be liable to the odd mistake. So I don't know. I I think that they will give us a good game, uh, but I I think we'd be a little bit disappointed if we didn't didn't beat them at the gate at New Year's Day. And I'll tell you what, they, you know, both seem nice chaps, obviously know their stuff. And it's the first time I think you've done one of these uh, interviews where actually the uh, people that you've interviewed haven't just said, oh, no, it will be a, a win for our team. Uh, in no. fact, I think one of them called it for Bristol and the other one said it was too too close. They were good. I mean, they're nice guys. And, and, and although it's really interesting to hear their viewpoint, it was just really nice to have a, a bit of chat with away fans because that is obviously something that we've we've missed and something that we very much enjoyed last season with various teams, Stade Francais and and uh, and some of the, the the visiting teams from the Premiership and having that bit of banter. So yeah, they were they were they were well balanced and knowledgeable guys, and uh, but clearly were a bit worried about, about Bristol Bears. So so. <laughs> We were, let's hope they're right. <laughs> and Miles, let me come to you then. Um, what are your thoughts on team selection? Um, you know, do, do you think Pat's going to stick pretty much to the 23 that were on Quinns, or do you think there might be a few people that uh, didn't get off the bus after that performance that uh, maybe uh, might be replaced? Well, I don't know. I mean, talking about getting off the bus, I'd replace Lee any day. You could get back on the bus normally. <laughs> But it's tricky to say. I mean, at the moment, uh, we obviously he rested Sinclair and Earl because of international duties. And I thought up front, you know, we our, our, our scrum did collapse a few times and penalties against us. But I don't see why we can't give those those two another week off. Really, we're at home, strong pack. Um, so I, I don't see why you change things up front. Uh, now it's interesting coming into the backs. We'll obviously d- discuss this: who stays and who goes for this home home match. Um, I don't see why you wouldn't start with a similar uh, choice in the backs, but we can obviously chat in a minute about potential of some returning players. 
Well, let's talk about that, Lee. Um, Pat, on one of his post-match interviews with BT Sports, said uh, that he thought Morahan and uh, Charles Piatow are likely to be back for New Year's Day uh, and uh, Chris Vui not far behind. So um, it looks like Pat might have a bit of a, a selection headache in uh, in the backs next week. If, if Morahan and Piatow are fit, do they come straight back into the team? What's your view? I don't know if he would start them. It, I mean, it was certainly good news to the ears when um, when Pat did did say that at the end, wasn't it? Because um, again, I don't think we've had a massive amount of knowledge coming out of on the injury front, really, have we recently? Um, but I think that those two, I, I don't know. I, personally, I think he'll probably start them on on the bench. Um, I do think the second. Sorry, you might start international players who've been injured for a little bit on the bench rather than start them. Just, just that's an interesting idea. Yeah, I just think they've both been out for quite a long time, haven't they, Charles and Luke? Um, I, I don't know. I just a, a little niggly feeling that I've got that possibly they will start from the bench. Um, I do think the second row because it was a big game for Holmes and. Uh, Big Dave this week. I think the second row might might change slightly. Um, but what a what a nice headache for Pat to have at last, isn't it? Starting to get these players back in. Obviously, a massive return would be Chris Bowie when he's ready, um, because we really do miss that guy when he's not playing. I, I, absolutely. I mean, he's been a standout performer, hasn't he, for for, for the last uh, two or three years. I think it's going to be interesting. Will Capon, I wouldn't say it was his greatest game uh, against Quinns, and he came off pretty quickly. So I, I'm kind of expecting Brian Byrne to be back in uh, at number two. Uh, whether Woolmore will, will start, he seems to be rotating with Jan Thomas a little bit there. Um, John Afoa again I'd probably expect him to start against Newcastle but maybe I don't know would they potentially get Lahif in to start with because I think our new Argentinian tight head prop it's going to be too quick uh, in fact I don't even know if he's in the country so uh, I'm not sure when in January he's actually joining us so New Year's Day might be a bit bit premature premature for January um, obviously Max Malin's got injured Pete so um, you know if, if he's out and uh, potentially that gives solves Pat a problem as in when does he give him two weeks off um, you know, those two weeks might be coming a bit quicker than we expected. Uh, who would you see at 15, uh, given the players <laughs> that we've got returning from injury? Uh, and also, uh, you know, the slippery little Welshman himself, Lloyd, uh, you know, be, being, uh, you know, fantastic back there. Well, you know what? I think I'd stick Lloyd at 15. And if Charles is fit, I would genuinely put him on. The, I, I agree with Lee. I put him on the bench because, uh, you know, we we don't we're not desperate for him to come back, knowing that we've got. I mean, Malins would have been, uh, you know, is a great substitute. He's been fantastic, and, and Lloyd as well. So I suspect he may move Lloyd back to fifteen. Charles on the bench, and then on the wing. Um, do we know about Purdy? Is he's out for a bit? I presume he's out a bit longer, isn't he? Um, I think I think he's still listed as injured. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I mean, the only thing 
uh, just from the talking to those folk on Falcons boys was that they they did allude to having some quite quick wingers. Um, so I, I don't know whether whether Pat would bother about worrying about their wingers or whether he would just maybe stick Alapati on the wing as a solid uh, as a solid starter and 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 put um, Lloyd at fullback, give Charles a a bit of time on the bench and bring him on in the second half when hopefully the game is a little bit maybe not you know is, is broken up a little bit. It's it's, it's hard to know really because it's very it's hard to see how we can leave Lloyd out at the moment because he's playing so well and you know sometimes you've just got to go with you've got to go with form players sometimes haven't you and he's young and he's fit he's gonna he's gonna want to play every game isn't he so um, yeah so talking about small people should explain yeah. to the listeners that my children have just entered the room and have now uh, nobody's bothering to listen to me as usual <laughs> I mean all, all, all waving at your daughters uh, Lee let me, let, let me come to you uh, I think you wanted to, to make a point I was just thinking just what Pete said then I mean obviously because uh, obviously Callum's going to need a, a little rest at some point as well isn't he um, but I just wonder we've all alluded to the fact that he's He's not been quite as sparkly since he's returned um, from the Welsh international setup. Um, but then you've got Lloyd. Then it could could play at ten, couldn't you? Couldn't he? So you know we've got some we've got some really good options. To be fair, and um, and they're all strong options. Yeah, well, I, I'm I'm going to disagree with you, fellas, just to make. I think if they're they're fit, I think Morahan and Piatau come straight back in at uh, 15 and on the wing. Um, I can see potentially Lloyd dropping to the bench, being the fly half cover uh, for Sheedy, but. Um, I, I think Pat will be keen to get those two up and running and match fit. Uh, and actually, uh, a game at home against Newcastle, to me, seems an ideal opportunity uh, to to get them in before, before we uh, have the trip to Exeter. Uh, and then, of course, those really uh, vital couple of games in the Champions Cup. So, so uh, if, if they are fit, I think Morahan and Piatau come straight in. Lloyd, I think, might drop to the bench that's no disrespect to him whatsoever but uh um i just think he's an incredible talent to to come on and i'm sure he will play for bristol for many many years i think new Alago um is is going to retain the other place on the wing obviously sammy rangranja it, it's interesting we didn't really talk about him in the queen's game a uh, little bit rusty maybe um from his time away uh but uh you could see uh ranranja and Nualago uh actually forming that outside center uh yeah. wing partnership i could be could see being really really devastating so let's let's talk about predictions for the game i'm going to come to miles first what are your thoughts uh, on the game? How's it going to go? Uh, I mean, I, I'm hoping for a win. I mean, as we've seen, Newcastle have, you know, stunned quite a few sides with their uh, dominance over their first few games. So I think it'll be quite tight. So I'm going to predict 21-17 win to Bristol, but fairly close. And Lee, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, again, I think it will be reasonably tight, but I do think we'll we'll pull away at some point. I think Newcastle's, um, they're the team that obviously has been promoted and they have that kind of, um, that excitement being back in the Prem again. But I think that this week is, 
is when it comes to an end. And I'm going to go for a 26-14 victory for for Briz. Uh, Pete, your thoughts? Well, given that the folk on Falcons boys were basically saying Bristol were going to win, and that's them being fans, I'm going to multiply that by about three because what they really, you know, to, to get a real idea based on, and also add the add to this equation that if you're right, Tony, we have our superstars coming back. You know what? I'm going to forget about this thing about Newcastle having a good start to the season. I think we're going to turn them over big time. If, you know, we're going to go out there, we're not going to be inconsistent. We're going to, we're going to get right on top of them in the first half and then we're going to, I think we're going to spread it wide in a second. So I'm going to go for a comprehensive Bristol Bears victory over the new boys just to put them back in their place. I'm talking 35-5. Wow. 35-5. And do you know what, Pete? I'm going to agree with you. I I think they've done really well, but what I've seen of them on the telly, which hasn't been too much, I think they've rode their luck a little bit. Um, I think the wheels might be coming off a little bit this weekend down at Ashton Gate, and I'm I'm going to go for a 44 points to 13 Bristol victory. So, and normally I'm the conservative one. That <laughs> you are. It's going to be you know like a three point win. Pete, you wanted to add something. I just talking about predictions. What what was uh, how uh, how did we do on the old Harlequins game? On the old Harlequins game, I'm just trying to read my notes there. Um, I think you were the, the the closest. We didn't actually talk about the scores, but you talked about a five point victory for Bristol away from home. I think the rest of us settled for a four point win. So uh, yes, kudos to you. Um, and let's see how our predictions fare on New Year's Day. So. You're listening to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Buzzsprout, and many more platforms. You can contact us with your comments and ideas by email at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're Bears Beyond Gate. And on Facebook, you can like and follow our Bears Beyond the Gate page. Well, we've just done our preview for the game against Newcastle on New Year's Day. And um, actually, I did speak to one or two of you um, because we had the joy of trying to get one of the two or four of the 2000 tickets that went on sale for the Falcons game. Um uh when whenever that was i can't remember what it was was that before christmas yeah it was before uh, christmas yeah 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 um and of course we we were all lucky enough to get a ticket um for all of five hours before we heard that bristol was going uh back from tier two into tier three and uh lee i think uh, which is most unlike you. You had one or two technical problems <laughs> online. Uh, uh, and you had to resort to throwing stones at the window <laughs> of the uh, box office down at Ashton Gate. Or did you phone them again? I can't remember. It was an absolute nightmare, Tone. I mean, the, obviously, the, the general joke between the four of us is that I'm the least techie person out of the four of us. And... Uh, and so, first of all, I I set it up on the PC, and basically, when we were waiting in the queue, the little man it was walking very, very slowly, 
he started running towards the end of the page, and I thought, I'm in, I'm in. And then the next minute, only to be told that it's actually thrown me out and that I have to start from the beginning again. So um, I did have to to ring them, and it was a bit of a, a bit of a nightmare. I think I was on the phone for about 50 minutes. Um, and the, the clock was counting down because I had an eye test as well at past 11. So <laughs> it was it was a stressful couple of hours, Tony, to be fair. I bet you didn't see that coming. I didn't, uh, mate. Really. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, Pete, let me come to you. Um, obviously, you know, pe- people were disappointed that, uh, you know, they had the tickets and they didn't have them. But uh, following things on social media, there are quite a few people that have asked the question, why Why are we getting refunds and then having a season ticket holders and then having to pay for tickets if, if we're successful um, in, in getting them? And particularly, I think, people that have bought season tickets in the South Stand, where I think someone said that they could, uh, the, the kind of season ticket cost of going to a game plus taking uh, a child was about um, £23, I believe, um, when you average it out. Um, but then, you know, they were being asked to pay £35 uh for a ticket that they thought they'd already bought. Now, clearly, it's difficult for Bristol and all the clubs. But what's your view on the this kind of refunding everybody and then asking them to 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 pay for the tickets? Well, I mean, it does lead for the potential for confusion and stress, and not just for being useless with your computer. It's, uh, um, it, 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 I mean, I know we've had some chat about, I mean, about understanding what actually is shown on our account and and so on and, and we even went down the route to, of tony of trying to swap seats and that that was a yet, an, yet another issue to talk about but i don't know I, I must admit i was a bit surprised i thought it would be fairly simple that um if you've already bought the ticket essentially because you're a season ticket holder uh, that that you just by logging in as a season ticket holder and being successful you then got the ticket. And then if you weren't a season ticket holder and you logged in, then you pay what you would normally pay, um, which you would expect to pay 35 quid if you were just a, a kind of fair weather, not a fair weather supporter, but somebody that buys ticket by ticket basis. That's kind of the whole point of being a season ticket holder and giving them the, your money in advance so they can do something with it. Now, I can see why people would, would complain and say, well, this is a different situation. And, um, you know, there's two sides of the argument. Yeah, maybe it's right that we should support the club by, by paying premium because, you know, they've had very little revenue, but uh, or they're having to give back, you know, some of the revenue they've got. So it's a, it's a difficult one. I'm, I'm sure it's one of those ones that's that's divided, but I, I would, it, 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 I could see why people might think that, it's not valuing those fans that have committed year on year to giving their money up front as season ticket holders, which is kind of, you know, it's a it's a contract you have with the club is that you you give your commitment in in return for something, which is a slightly cheaper ticket price. And then to sort of feel that you've got a you have all this complicated refunding and then you've got to pay out 35 quid. I, I I don't know. It's it's a difficult one. I think if it was clearly a non-COVID time or something, it was a one-off. People would be be up in arms about it. But um, I don't know. I don't know what you guys think, really. 
Miles, let me just come to you because even for us in the Dolman, I think our, our refunds per game are around twenty-eight pounds based on our season tickets. So, so even for us, you know, it's uh, you know, what's that? Uh, uh, quite quite an increase. What's that? Twenty-five percent more um, that, that we're paying. Uh, do you begrudge that, or, or or do you think because the club are just bringing in such little money at the moment that they, they do have to look for opportunities? Um, yeah, I mean, like Pete said, I think I, I, I was very confused the fact that I put some rant on saying, well, I've already paid for my seat. What, what on earth am I paying, in effect, twice for? But then we were subsequently told we'd be refunded. Um, you're right. I mean, we normally pay what it works out about £28 in the Dolman Centre. Um, uh, but, you know, we've got to pay stewards to be there. We've got to pay. The, the, the club are losing money every week. They can only get 2,000 fans in. I was sort of happy. Well, I mean, I'm like yourself, Tony, I was very lucky to go on quite quickly and get a ticket smack bang in the middle of the Dolman, at which I thought £35 is fair enough. Um, for 2,000 fans. So I think in the end I was happy to pay it, but I think if I was stuck round in the south stand in the corner, that seemed a little bit expensive for me. So I could understand if you'd be a bit of, a bit aggrieved, really, if you were stuck in the centre of the, of the south stand having to pay the same price as you or me in the centre of the dolmen. Yeah, and Lee, I think you wanted to, to, to add a comment. Yeah, I mean, it is a tricky situation, Um I mean, the guys have already, I won't go through it, but the guys have already said it is a, a tough kind of decision. Um, the club do need the money, uh, ultimately. But um, one thing that we actually didn't mention was what about, there's about, I think about 200 people who have got the the 10-year uh, season ticket debentures. Mm. And, you know, I mean, we've all paid for our season ticket. We do it every year. These guys have obviously signed up for 10 years. And I do think, uh, that maybe there should be some special dispensation for for people, you know, for those two hundred people that have, you know, fully committed to the club for for that period of time. I think did I see that they they, they did have an allocation, didn't they, for for those people um, based they? on the kind of percentage compared to ordinary season tickets. Right. Um, okay. I, I don't know how much of an advantage that gives gives them or not. Um, but um, yes, I'm sure there was something that a certain percentage were allocated just for the is it 2027 tickets? 2028, I think. 2028, it's called. 28, 20, yeah. 20, yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it's a good point, you know. We we year on year on give our money uh, for 12 months, uh, and they they've coughed up uh, for for 10 years. So uh, you know. That they, sh- I, I wouldn't begrudge them, you know, getting priority for for tickets. Mm. Um, but it's such a shame, isn't it? Because uh, I think all of us were cock a hoop that we'd got tickets, um, and we were broadly in in similar parts of the Dolman as well. Um, so it, it would have been lovely to to actually have been down there, and also to get some post match interviews for some fans at a social socially acceptable distance of course uh, but i've got very yeah. long arms and you know with a microphone i think we could have made that uh, 2 meter gap so uh, yeah take the old selfie stick bang too. 
Mm. Absolutely. Um, but at least, you know, we've seen how how the system works and where the seats are. Um, and hopefully, you know, once once we do start to move down the tiers again, um, we will have another opportunity to to see some live rugby at the gate. But uh, when that will be, who knows? Well, let's let's move along then. Um, Lee, I wanted to come to you Um about Gloucester uh, signing Jack Singleton, obviously one of the uh, Saracens players that was on loan at Gloucester. And uh, that meant uh, he signed on a permanent deal now. Um, And there was a bit of speculation again on social media, what does that mean for Earl and Malins? But I think as you wrote in your Bristol Post article last week, um, not to get too excited, why shouldn't we get excited as Bristol fans? Is there not a glimmer of hope that uh, we we might see something similar for for Malins and Earl at Bristol? Well, I mean, obviously you could you could never say never in this game, as we all know. Um, but I think the main difference at this point in time is that obviously Singleton hadn't signed the the new extended contract, uh, whereas Malins and Earl both did. Um, and I think that that, that is, is basically, like I said, I didn't want to be Scrooge at Christmas, but I think that has is, is definitely put that one uh, to bed for me anyway, at least in the short term. Yeah, and, you know, no disrespect to uh, Singleton, but I think where you look and see the trajectory of Earl and uh, Malins, um, you know, if, if you were Saracens, you'd certainly want to... Uh, try and keep those prized assets. But I think one of the things, and maybe we'll talk about this a little bit more once we get into 2021, um, Malins and Earl, I wouldn't think they're cheap on the old uh, salary front. Um, and that is hopefully going to give Pat a little bit of wriggle room to to bring in, uh, you would hope, similar um, calibre players for the following season, but uh, hey, we're only four games into this Premiership season, so we'll we'll worry about that a little bit more later in the year. Um, one thing uh, I just wanted to uh, say a shout out to, and that's uh, one of our listeners that got in touch on our Facebook page. Uh, and that's Chris Hollister. So, Chris, um, I, I thought it was fabulous that you and your son regularly listen to the podcast while sitting in your hot tub. So <laughs> you, we, we are going to make you our first official hot tub listeners. Um, so uh, I hope you're enjoying uh, a brew and uh, enjoy this this uh, episode of the show. And uh, thanks for listening and uh, make sure you, you keep that hot tub warm uh, with plenty of bubbles. Um, <laughs> Tony, uh, that could be a regular feature. We, we could we could ask the listeners where where to they are actually listening to, uh, to the podcast from. Absolutely. You never know. So, there could be some strange uh, answers to that, mate. Well, I know. I know where I listen. I, I know where I listen to it. Oh, I wrote <laughs> you, you record it, mate, so we know where you yeah. are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, 
So, so yes, yeah, so there's a challenge for our listeners. Get in touch um, on the email or via Twitter or Facebook. Um, how, where where do you listen to the show? Have you got a, a regular favourite spot? Is it a walk to work? Uh, is it in a hot tub like Chris or, or something even more unusual? So Keep it, keep love- it clean, though. Keep it clean. <laughs> keep it clean. It's a family show. Um well, that's it for uh, this episode. Um, if you like what you've heard, please think about leaving a review or rating on your podcast platform for Bears Beyond the Gate. That's three league wins on the trot for Bristol. Let's hope we can make that four with a winning start to 2021 against Newcastle Falcons. Until next week, goodbye, stay safe. And on behalf of all of us, we'd like to wish you all every success for the new year.